Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you today by Del Monte Tomato Products. Not far from the Musk Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte Foods presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Gold Fever. It all started when the phone at the head of the tambourine bar opened up along in the afternoon. Chris was serving a lonely customer at one of the side tables, so I got up front and answered it. Yeah, Cafe Tambourine. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, who is it? I must speak to Jordan Bay. This is Jordan Bay. I must make no mistake. Are you sure? Look, I ought to know who I am. What is this? You must hurry, Jordan Bay. Come as quickly as you can. Who said so? Pete Servos. He must see you at once without delay. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who did you say? Pete Servos. Servos? Come right away, Jordan Bay. As quickly as you can. Well, where do I find him? Hello? Where do I find him? Where... Oh, great. Pete Servos. That could be only one man. And his name meant only one thing. Gold. The kind you never find. Only dirt and sweat and too much heartache. Yeah, Servos had gold fever the worst way. I guess he'd always had it. He talked me into scratching around with him in the High Sierras once a long time ago. All the gold we ever found could have been picked up on the point of a pin. Well, I got my fill of it and finally gave up, but Pete was off to chase some other rainbow. That was the last I'd seen of him. And why he was in Cairo and what he wanted to see me about was anybody's guess. And where I'd find him was a little point my caller had neglected to tell me. A disturbing phone call, Mr. Jordan? With my mind on the servos puzzle, I only half heard the voice. It came from my lone customer at a nearby table. He'd been frequenting the tambourine the last few days. A big, ruddy, solid set man. A combination of poise and strength named von Rutstedt. From across Africa in the Boer country. Uh, not that it is any of my affair, understand. Uh, light for your cigarette, Mr. Jordan. Yeah? Oh, yeah, thanks. I fear that I am becoming a fixture in your cafe. Well, a wanderer gets the habit of settling in a spot where he feels at home. Well, stay as long as you like. Ah, you are generous. Uh, will you sit down? Yeah. Okay. You, um, been around the continent much, Mr. Jordan? Africa? Ah, oh, not much. Ah, remarkable change. Whoa. Count down three cards. One, two, three. Next card is yours. Turn over. All right. Pretty good, huh? That's the wrong card. Huh? Oh, it can't be. But red it is. But the book says that the... Is that you, Mom? Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Davis. What's with the bathrobe? I, I was just resting. Resting? From what? Oh, now, Mom. Go get dressed. 
What for? I found a job for you. You mean work? Yeah, remember? Well, now, I don't know, Mrs. Davis. I got two or three things lined up myself yeah, and... Yeah, yeah. He really has, Mom. I've been hearing that same routine for the last six months. Meantime, the bite's on me for your food and rent. Now, go get dressed. Well, what is this job? You know the warehouse at Tristan Bedford? Uh-huh. I just made a deal with a man who's tied in with it. Oh, now, look, I couldn't work in the warehouse. You don't have to work there. All you got to do is go out there tonight and burn it down. Later that evening, Special Agent Jim Taylor is behind the fire lines as a blaze is being fought in the large warehouse. Keep that crowd back, Bill. Get him back over there. Sorry, Taylor. That's okay, Chief. I never knew crowds were such a problem. They are more trouble than the fires in most cases. Oh, have you been able to get that pane of glass for me yet? It must be out by now. Wait a minute. Okay. Keep those crowds back, man. Hey, Jim! Jim! Oh, hi, Walt. Uh, Walt, go around, around the hose engine. This way? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I heard a lot hose. Hey, that's got it. <laughs> Boy, I've been trying to get through to you for the last ten minutes. That's an obstacle course. Yeah, I know. Well, I got your message when I called the office. What's up? Well, this fire started about an hour ago. When the inspectors got here, they called our office. Why? They're sure that it's arson. Well, who'd want to burn down a government warehouse? Well, that's what we've got to find out. Any, anything missing from inside? No. No, this fire wasn't started to cover up a theft. They had an inventory checkup only this afternoon. Any suspects? None yet. I've asked the men who are holding back the crowd to try and find somebody who was around here when it started. Here's that pane of glass, Taylor. Oh, thanks, Chief. What's that for, Jim? When I was in Washington two weeks ago, I saw that electron microscope that our lab put in. Oh? They can scrape some smoke off this glass, take a picture of it, and tell what was burning. Maybe even what started the blaze. Let me know as soon as you hear anything, will you, Taylor? Sure thing, Chief. I'm going back inside now. Well, thanks for everything. Oh! Jim, you want me to stick around and see if I can locate any witnesses? Yeah, will you do that, Walt? I'll get this pane of glass on its way to Washington. forgot to take matches. That wouldn't surprise me. Look, the minute he comes in, have him call me. Well, I'm going out for a few minutes. What for? Oh, I'm just going around the corner to get some comic books. You stay where you are. But it'll only take me... Oh, wait. Is that you, Ren? Yeah, honey. He's here, Mom. Oh, put him on. My mother wants to talk to you. Oh. Here you are. Hello, Mrs. Davis. What kept you? Where were you? In a magic store. The magic store. That's what I thought you said. Yeah, the fellow there just got in some new tricks, so I thought that I... Do you realize I've been waiting for the last five hours to hear how it went? How what went? The fire. Oh, it was okay. Tell me what happened. Well, I went to the place, I started the fire, and it burned. 
place burned down? Must have. When I left, the whole sky was light. There were lots of fire engines. Did you have any trouble? No. Did anyone see you? Nope. Oh, uh, Mrs. Davis. What? When do I get paid? I'm collecting from the man tomorrow morning. Well, would you mind bringing my share over real early? What for? I want to buy some new tricks. Here's a lab report on that pane of glass, Walt. Already? How do we get it back so soon? Well, the SAC was flying down to Washington. He took it with him. Oh, that's quick action. Yeah. Come on, let's go back to my desk, huh? Okay. Go ahead, Walt. Thanks. Well, what's in the report? It was magnesium oxide. Uh, that means fireworks, doesn't it? That's right. And there was nothing in that warehouse with a magnesium base. Oh, go ahead. Sit down, Walt. Okay. You know that magnesium oxide... I might just tie something in with that that I got last night. Oh, from who? A kid who was watching the fire. He lives in the neighborhood. What'd he give you? Well, he and a pal of his talked to a man who was hanging around the warehouse about 6 o'clock last night. He was mm. carrying some boxes. They might have contained fireworks. No? Did this uh, kid describe the man? No, all he remembered was that he had red hair. Did you question the youngster's pal? Not yet. I'm going out looking for him this afternoon. You might have some evidence for us. What do you mean? Well, the kid said the man threw the boxes away before he went into the warehouse. And? And the second kid picked him up. I'm hoping he still has him. Oh. I think I'll call Ident, Walt, and get pictures on all known red-headed arsonists. You can show them to the kids. Okay. That might turn up the man we're looking for. Marge. Huh? Come here, will you? What for? I got a trick I want to show you. Oh, gee, Red, I'm reading. Oh, you got to see this one. It's the best trick I ever did. Here, take these. What are they? Mystery rings. They're inside each other, see? What am I supposed to do with them? See if you can take them apart. What for? That's the trick, Marge. Oh. Now, try. Okay. Okay. I can't do it. Touch me first. Here, let me have the rings. Here. Now watch. Just say, say the magic word. Abadab. Abadab. They're still together. They're Funny. still together. Worked in the store. Funny. Worked in the store. Marge. Yes, Mom. Where is he? Who? Your husband. Here I am, Mrs. Davis. Oh, you stupid idiot. You blundering imbecile. Huh? Don't you ever listen when anyone talks to you. What's the matter, Mom? I get him a job. The first job he's had in months. All he has to do is go to the warehouse, set the fire. But that's what I did. Sure, what's wrong, Mom? What's wrong? He burned down the wrong joint. We will return to tonight's exciting FBI file in just a moment. Now let's turn to another type of thrill. One you'll probably be enjoying tomorrow afternoon when you listen to some exciting college football game. No! Newell kept the ball himself all the time. He's fooled everybody. Now he's sneaking past midfield like a scared jackrabbit. He's, he's going for a touchdown! After college days are over, what happens to these football heroes and their fellow classmates? Take the matter of earning power. Do college men earn more or just about the same as the average non-college men? College men earn much more. 
Actually, a college graduate is 15 times more likely to make a salary of $10,000 a year or better than a non-college man. In other words, the odds in favor of a college education are 15 to 1. Consider that figure, and you will understand why the management of the Equitable Life Assurance Society takes pride in its famous Equitable Education Fund. An Equitable Education Fund is a plan for far-sighted parents who want the satisfaction of knowing that their children will receive the higher education that means so much. First and foremost, an Equitable Education Fund is sure. Right. This fund combines planned, regular saving with life insurance. So, if the father dies or becomes permanently disabled, this plan makes certain that his children will still be able to get the education he was ambitious for them to have. Second advantage, an equitable education fund is easy. That's because this plan spreads the cost of education over 10 or 15 years. Only a comparatively small monthly amount is required, and it eventually builds up into a sum ample to see a boy or girl through college. Remember, fathers and mothers, in the increasingly competitive years that lie ahead, the biggest prizes will go to college-trained men and women. Put your children in line for a more successful future by starting an equitable education fund now. Get in touch with your Equitable Society representative soon, or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Unhappy Firebug. Earlier in tonight's program, it was mentioned that the police of this nation are using science more and more every day in fighting the war against crime. No better example of that use could be found than the one illustrated in tonight's case from the files of your FBI. A case in which the electronic microscope is used as a means of establishing the crime of arson. That microscope, which is powerful enough to magnify a specimen up to 20,000 times, is probably the most expensive single piece of equipment in the laboratory of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. For its total cost amounted to more than $15,000. When you consider that less than 20 years ago, there was no such thing as an FBI laboratory, when you consider that at its inception, it had as equipment one ordinary microscope, you begin to get some idea of the growth of the lab. At the present time, it has been estimated that the equipment in the lab, which is the finest of its kind in the world, cost more than a million dollars, and the FBI would be the last to deny... He's stopping me. Not even that no-good wife of mine. Well, I didn't know you were married. And I don't know why. What kind of a woman is it that won't stay by you? Share your dreams. Even help you dig. It's a tough life, Pete. How do you think it is for me? You stay home, she says. Give it up. But she'll be around plenty quick when there's gold. I know her. Uh, where is she now? Right here in Cairo, wouldn't you know? Checked into the Continental last week. She can stay there. Look, Pete, if you didn't send for me about the bullets, what is it? What do you think? Well, Rocky, I finally struck it. What? Are you trying to tell I me... I found gold. A vein bigger than we ever dreamed about. South Africa load. After all these years, I found it. Well, that doesn't concern me. Uh, cut it out, Rocky. You're not over the fever any more than I am. I told you, Pete, I'm through with it. Yeah. Where do you hear this, Rocky? 
I'm putting the whole mine in your name. My name? Let Clarissa try and get her hands on it then. Let her try. It's all yours. She can't touch it. Now, wait a minute, Pete. You can't do that. We'll share 70-30. 70 goes to me. That's all right, ain't it? That's not the idea. It's ours, Rocky. Enough gold to keep us both on easy street the rest of our lives. I told you I got over the gold fever a long time Don't ago. Don't be silly. It's great having a gold mine, ain't it? From now on, we worry about nothing. No more digging and sweating and dying. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're getting tired, Pete. Come on, let's just forget it, huh? What's there to forget? It ain't like I'm asking you a favor. Take it easy, Pete. Maybe I'll see you later. Yeah? Well, you'll be back, Rocky. I ain't worrying. You'll be back. The lock snapped on the inside, and I went down the hall and down the steps. Well, that was a new one. A guy offering you a gold mine on a silver platter. But I didn't want it. I didn't want any part of it. All I wanted was some fresh air. Just as I reached the front door, somebody drew back away from the glass. I got outside in time to see him dodge into a doorway a little way down. I was sure it was my customer from the tambourine, Von Rutstedt. Right away, I remembered all his talk about gold fever. I wanted to know what he was doing there, so I went out after him. Hey, Von Rutstedt! Von Rutstedt, come back here! He ran without looking back, and all at once he was in a car and driving fast. My taxi was still waiting, so I got back and shook the cabbie awake. Oh, uh, do not be impatient, sir. Try and follow that car, quick. Oh, I have a very fine taxi. At times, it can go very fast. Then take this pound note and get going. Here we are going, Effendi. He took that turn to the left. Oh, there is the car, far ahead. All right, don't lose it. Come on, step on it. There is no finer taxi in all of Cairo. As I say, it can go fast. Another pound note if you catch that car. It is a deal. He swung off to the right. Can you make it? Hold tightly, sir. Sir, look ahead. Pull up, Cabby. Pull up. If the car stands across the road, we are blind. Use the brakes. Stop it. I am trying. We hit the car broadside, and the taxi front crumbled like a paper cup. One glance told me the cabby was all right, so I was out and running to the other car. And it didn't take any time to see the car was empty. Von Rutstedt was gone. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Hey, here comes Joe Johnson in the house after a long, hot day's work in the garden. Man, am I thirsty. I sure could use something cold and refreshing to drink. Oh, I wonder what's in the refrigerator. Hey, Del Monte tomato juice. That's for me. Opener. Glass. Right, Joe, for refreshment. There's nothing like Del Monte tomato juice. Del Monte tomato juice is fresh tasting. Yes, indeed. Del Monte tomato juice is made from fresh, ripe western tomatoes, the flavor tomatoes. Mm Mmm-mmm. Del Monte tomato juice is natural tasting. True. Del Monte tomatoes are rushed directly from field to cannery to protect their fresh, natural taste. <sighs> Del Monte tomato juice is refreshing. Right. Del Monte tomatoes are pressed immediately at the cannery to preserve all the sunny, rich goodness of those deep red, vine-ripened tomatoes. Fresh tasting, natural tasting, and refreshing. Fresh, natural, refreshing. That's Del Monte tomato juice. 
Look for it at your grocer's. Keep a can or two in your refrigerator. And remember, for real refreshment, buy fresh-tasting Del Monte tomato juice every time. And now back to Rocky Jordan and tonight's story, Gold Fever. Well, it took some time trying to pacify the little driver for the damage to his taxi. But I had other problems. Like von Rudstadt following me to Pete's house and why he'd run off when I tried to question him. Yeah, and I was thinking about a rich gold strike in South Africa that service wanted to hand over to me just to keep his wife Clarissa from getting any part of it. I decided it was time for a talk with her, so I went over to the Continental Hotel. Clarissa was there, but not exactly like I'd expected her. She was still young and pretty, like you want an American girl to be pretty. But there was something gone. She was thin, and the skin was taut across her cheekbones. She wasn't sure about letting me in. Who are you? My name's Jordan. Rocky Jordan. That means nothing to me. I've just been talking to your husband. I see. What does he want with me? Not a thing, Clarissa. But he's going to get well, if that interests you. What do you mean? couple of bullets he picked up somewhere. Or didn't you know? I... I didn't know. How could I? He's your husband. Marvin, you've been punching your time card wrong. Will you come here? I'll show you how to do it. Okay. You find anything yet, brother? No. You check the machine again? We just about took it apart this morning. Another report came through from the lab. The samples you gave me yesterday tested good all the way. I don't get this. So maybe I'll ask Joe Stone to transfer me to another machine. No, no, you stay put. Jim, can't you come up with anything out of all those books in the front of us? I'm working on a new angle now. It might pay off. What is it? I got up a list this afternoon of where every shipment of wire went during the last three weeks. What for? Well, before the spools are shipped overseas, I want to have samples re-examined. The lab's all set up to give me quick reports. As soon as I leave here tonight, I'll start calling every Army depot on the list. Jim, how are you coming out the factory? Kind of slow, Mitch. Have you got any definite leads? No. Well, then I'm afraid we'd better close the investigation. What? Write a report for me and go back to your old cases. But, Mitch, I know something's going on out there. Well, you've seen the lab reports. Every sample we got from those Army depots last week tested perfect on every machine. Yeah, I know. Now, we've gone over the records of every government inspector assigned to the plant. And they're all clean. But I still have some files in the office out there. I should go the gen- through. The general in charge of supplies for this port called this afternoon. Huh? He said if we don't stop slowing up deliveries on the wire, he'll go to Washington with his complaint. Well, doesn't he realize we're trying to protect soldiers' lives? Sure, but he's got a job the same as we have. He's got to get that wire overseas. Now, look, we did find the samples shipped out of the factory before the 17th of this month were 50% bad. But all those spools have been recalled. All right, Mitch, but why should they produce 50% bad wire up to a certain date and then start turning out a perfect product after that? I don't know, Jim. And I'm not criticizing you for not finding out. I can only tell you we can't take the pressure much longer. How much time can you give me? Well, I should be taking you off the thing right now. Let me have another two weeks, Mitch. All right, but that's it. Two weeks. By then, you've either got to come up with definite evidence or drop the case. 
return shortly to tonight's case from the official files of your FBI. Now for a moment, let's consider an entirely different type of case. The story of Jack Morley, a man who realized that there's no end to the frontiers of American opportunity. Jack was a milkman. In the dawn's early light, he delivered much more than milk. He delivered himself up that rugged road of success. He got so many new customers that pretty soon, well, you tell him, Jack. Well, the company I work for put me in their sales department. And Jack's giving that job his best, too. He's got a lot more responsibilities, and he's making more money. Back when Jack was driving the milk truck, he dreamed of getting ahead. His equitable society representative had a strong hunch that Jack was a fellow whose dreams would come true. He told Jack about the equitable plan for men and women on the way up, a life insurance plan for people whose future held real promise of greater achievement, greater income, and responsibility. The equitable plan is perfect for that ambitious type because it's flexible. It's geared to give you more insurance coverage as you cover more ground on the road to success. It's life insurance that grows as you grow. As my salary went up, the options in my equitable plan made it simple for me to keep my insurance in line with my income. Another fine thing about the equitable plan is that its cost is exceptionally low during the first few years. Yet your family gets the life insurance protection they need. That low cost at the start was just what the doctor ordered. I didn't have to go in the hole to pay for my insurance. Whatever you do, whatever your age, why not take a tip from Jack Morley? Let your Equitable Society representative tell you about the equitable plan for men and women on the way up. Or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Society. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Profiteers. Deliberately turning out defective arms, ammunition, or other equipment for our armed forces is beyond question one of the lowest crimes known to man. Actually, it is at least four crimes in one, combining murder, grand larceny, sabotage, and treason in one loathsome package. This is a revolting crime. But happily, your FBI is able to report that it is an exceedingly uncommon one. Even among our present prison population, it would probably be difficult to find many men willing to perform such an act of betrayal for any price. Consider the hundreds of thousands of contracts and subcontracts completed by patriotic American industry during World War II. Then remember that the case selected for dramatization tonight was all the more notorious because of its extreme rarity. That such a crime is seldom committed is, however, no excuse for lack of vigilance. During today's emergency, the men of your FBI give you this solemn pledge that they will take every measure to protect our fighting men and industry itself from a stab in the back like the one you are hearing about tonight. Tonight's FBI file continues a week later in the factory office of General Manager Frank Hudson. Foreman Joe Stone has just entered. Joe, things are picking up. We got a Navy order today. What? Wire. What else? 
But we can't handle the business we've got. Got the men on overtime now. I know. Well, should we put on a whole new shift? There's no need for that. All we have to do is go back to using the rejects. Not me, Frank. I didn't call you up here to discuss this, Joe. Those are orders. Suppose the FBI comes back. We've been turning out perfect wire for a month now. Have you got any idea what that's done to our profits? I don't care. Well, I do. I'm operating this plant on a percentage. The less profits, the less I get. I'll be here tonight at the usual time, Joe. Don't be late. Yes, Jim. Bert, I think I may have a lead. What? I just finished checking the sign-in book from the front gate. Joe Stone and Frank Hudson used to come back to the factory every night around midnight. You know why? No, but they stopped on the 16th of last month. All right, the next day the wires started coming through perfect. wonder why they quit. I don't know, but they made another midnight visit last night. Oh? How's your machine been working today? Haven't had a single reject. Well, that means I'm on the right track. What are you going to do? Try and get some proof. Oh. By being here tonight in case they do come back. Mitchell speaking. Mitch, this is Jim Taylor. Yes, Jim. Can you meet me tonight? Sure. Fine. I'll need a hand movie camera. What for? Well, I think the general manager and the foreman rigged the machines around midnight. Now, if we can get pictures of them doing the rigging, that should be all the proof we need. Well, any place out there to hide while we take the pictures? Yeah, we can perch up on top of the lockers, have a clear view of the whole place. You need anything besides the camera? No. Well, what time you want to meet? Well, how's 11 o'clock in the factory parking lot? I'll be there. Fine. That'll give us an hour to get inside, set up the camera, and go into action. Uh, a man hasty in his opinions is neither wise nor honorable. I think you better look for somebody named Von Rutstedt, Sam. Jordan, a certain informant tells me you were here to see Servas this afternoon. For what purpose? Just a friendly visit. Indeed. What did you talk about? Oh, old times, Pete's gold strike. Is that all? What are you driving at? Would you have killed Servas for his mind? Sam, you know me better than that. Servas was an old friend. Jordan, someday you will learn that withholding information serves you no good. I've told you everything, Sam. Then how do you explain this Letter? Letter? Where you get it? I found it among papers in his desk. It is addressed to Rocky Jordan. I, Pete Servos, hereby grant to you full and complete ownership of my gold stake in South Africa on the one condition that I receive 70% of the profits from said mine throughout my life. Signed, Pete Servos. Let me see that. It will be held for possible evidence, Jordan. Oh, but the letter's to me. Do not fear, Jordan. It appears certain that you are the complete owner of a gold mine. Now that Servas is dead. Yeah, looks that way. Now, Jordan, hmm? you will kindly tell me where the gold mine is located. Where it's located? Yes, Jordan. You know something, Sam? I haven't any idea. Come, Jordan. You mean to say a man gives you a mine, but he does not tell you where it is? That's right. Indeed. Come with me, Jordan. I have something to show you. Sam put me in his black limousine with him, and we made the trip to headquarters without saying much. There, he nodded me down some familiar steps that led to the morgue. Halfway along the big room, he drew back a sheet that covered Pete's service. Observe, Jordan. 
Uh, it's Pete, if that's what you're asking. You say you knew him well. Long time ago. Notice the forearm uh, near the wrist. Looks oh, like a bad burn or something. It is a burn. Put there after the killing. What about it? The killer obviously wanted to erase whatever was recorded there. A tattoo mark, perhaps. Well, he had a lot of tattoos. But this one, can you recall what it was? Yeah, afraid not, Sam. Very well. However, if your memory should suddenly return, let me know. I had noticed some numbers on Pete's arm that afternoon, but they wouldn't come back to me. After all, I wanted to clear up Pete's death, and the numbers might help. I had a hunch von Rundstedt knew that going back to Clarissa was quicker. There was a chance she could help. The news of Pete's killing had been a shock to her, but she was packing to leave. Can't we just forget about it, Rocky? We've got to find the killer, Clarissa. Why? Had to end this way sooner or later. Will you hand me that grip, please? Oh, yeah. Here you are. Thanks. Pete had some numbers tattooed on his right arm. They've been burned off. What were they? I, I don't remember any numbers. You sure? Yes, Rocky, yes. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Do you, do you have any pictures of Pete around? Box in the top bureau. I was about to throw them away. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, these all you have? Yes. Yes, they're all I have. This one here in the bathing suit. How long ago was it taken? What? That was at Daytona Beach. Just before he left me for South Africa six months ago. The numbers weren't on his arm then. I told you they weren't. Yeah, that means he had them put there after he made the gold strike. What difference does it make? Don't you see? They could be the location of the mine, in longitude and latitude. The numbers are all we need. I see. Rocky. Huh? Just why did you come here? I'm trying to clear up Pete's death, Clarissa. Are you? Whoever killed him is after that mine. He knows where it is. And you'd like to know, too, wouldn't you, Rocky? And there's nothing to do with it. Are you sure it hasn't? You said you'd put gold out of your mind a long time ago. You said the mine didn't matter to you. Well, it doesn't, Rocky, but can't you see what happened to Pete? I hoped it wouldn't happen to you. You got the fever now, haven't you? You want that mine. Look, the gold's there and it belongs to me. Why shouldn't I try to find it? Yes, yes, why not? Gold can change a man so quickly. Are you trying to stop me? No. No, go ahead. I feel sorry for you, Rocky. I feel sorry. What she was driving at didn't set with me. I got out into the Cairo night. As I tried to walk it off down the Sharia El Mar, I made up my mind I was finding von Rundstedt if it took digging out every hole in Cairo. That turned out too easy. He was waiting in a doorway. A gun leveled at my ribs. Take care, Jordan. Walk ahead. You're kind of hard to catch, Von Rundstedt. He will talk in good time. About who? Service. To the left. Down the alleyway. Oh, I'm going to make it real private. Shut huh? up. No. Stand there now, with your back to the wall. All right, you're calling it. No tricks, if you are wise. I'm getting wise to a lot of things. Oh, that I followed you after the phone call in your cafe this afternoon? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, right to service's place. Did you kill him? There is no reason to hide it from you. We talked for a while, then I killed him. And burned the numbers off his arm. Why? Because they told the location of the mine? No one knows where the mine is except me. And you, Jordan, 
I forgot the numbers. I could never be sure. So you figure burn them out of me. There is no other way. Uh, one little request, huh? It is your last. In close and clean. Uh, as you wish. The last step was his mistake. That's when my shoe caught his shin hard. He doubled for a split second, and my hand came down with a jewel cut on the back of his neck. And Rootstead dropped flat in his face, and the gun clattered away. I scrambled over and came up with it. It was that easy. You're around, Jordan. All right, come up, Von Rootstead. I should have shot you while I could. Uh, now we'll talk about the mine. Clear it up. Yeah. Yeah, you will want to know, Jordan. If Servos did not tell you, he did not find that mine... Could have been contacting the club because he expected a message there. I'll phone them at once. Joe, he's coming too. Yeah. Well, should I get him some ice or something? What for? That lump on his head. Well, leave him alone. He may grow a few more before we're done. Oh, my, my. It hurts, huh? Yeah, yeah, it feels as if... Oh, it's you. Yeah, that's right. I'm still here. Uh-huh. Let, let me hear it. Uh, Should you, Joe? Yeah, you, you can sit in that chair. Uh, look, mister, don't try anything because something new's been added since you left us. This gun. I see it. Uh, think you're ready to talk business again now? There's nothing to discuss. Yes, there is. We, um, we had a board of directors meeting. We decided to cut the price. Is it 2000 No, no, 25000 Not interested. Well, we decided something else in that meeting. Really? Yeah, strategy. How to make you pay the 25000 That's not possible. Well, not even if we called the newspapers and gave them the story on your marriage to Lucy. They wouldn't listen to a cheap hoodlum like you. Well, you're forgetting. I got proof. But that'd take too much time. I got even a better way. That's to call your girlfriend Mildred. I'm not listening to any of these shakedowns. You know something, Joe? I bet he don't think you'd have nerve enough to call her. Well, you think I should show him? Yeah. Huh. Give me that address book. Sure. Here. What? That's my address book. Yeah, it's part of when you passed out. Uh, Lucy, the number's uh, uh, Quincy 72932. Two, nine, three, two. Yeah, get her on the phone. Okay. Wait. Huh? Never mind. Well, call her, baby. Hello. There's never anybody on that switchboard. Yes? Hello. Uh, this is Mrs. Kent. Lucy! <sighs> yes, Mrs. Kent? Mrs. Kent. Do you still think you should make that call? Hang up, stupid. But, Joe, I just... Shut up and start packing. Leaving town for... Yeah, on your two Gs. But before we go, I'm going to make sure that you keep quiet. This is the apartment right here, Mr. Taylor. You got a key? Yes, sir. But like I told you, the Kents left here five minutes ago. They had bags with them like they were going away. Oh, I'd still like to see the apartment, please. Sure thing. Well, this should do it here. Kent say where they were going? No, sir. You know if they took a cab? Well, they didn't say. There aren't many this hour of the morning. Uh, Go ahead, sir. Thanks. This furniture belongs to the house. They rented the place this way. Oh, I see. 
Hey, what's that? I don't know. Sounds like it's coming from behind this door over here. That's a closet. There's someone in there. He's locked in. I've got a key that should fit that. Good. This guy in here could be the one you're looking for. Yeah, could be Mr. Spencer. There. Hey, bound and gang. Yeah, untie the gag, will you? I'll get the ropes. Sure thing. You see the missing guy? Yep. There you go, mister. Oh, thank you. I'll have your legs untied in a minute, Spencer. Uh, thanks, Mr. Taylor. Well, where are the cans? Uh, they're gone. Uh, where to? I was hoping you'd have the answer to that one. No, that doesn't. Yeah, good. Uh, thanks. Well, Spencer, your practical joke didn't turn out so well, did it? I'm sorry. Whatever your problem was, you were a fool to attempt to handle it yourself. I know that now. Tommy, did uh, you pay these people any money? They forcibly took 2000 from me. Get away money, huh? Yeah, I imagine so. Well, I guess I can kiss it goodbye. I don't imagine they'll be easy to find. I guess some of you might help. What is it? Let me get to the phone, please. <laughs> What are you doing? Put in the back in the trunk compartment. What for? So we'll have them, stupid. Yeah, but if the car won't start, you'll only have to take them out again. The car will start as soon as we get that wire connected. But when will that be? Lucy, you heard the man yourself. He said he was going up to the front of the garage to get a new wire. And he'd be right back. But he hasn't come back. Oh. Look, Joe... My complaint is we've kept the car in this garage for over two years. We certainly deserve better service than this. Oh, shut up. Joe. Now what is it? It's Mr. Spencer. Hello there, Joe. Huh? How did you get here? Uh, Mr. Taylor, I'll let you explain that. I found a bill from this garage in your apartment, Joe. I called here just before you arrived. The attendant was kind enough to stall you until we could get here. Who are you? I'm a special agent of the FBI. Joe Kent and his wife, Lucy, were both tried and convicted for extortion. They were sentenced to long terms in the federal penitentiary. And so the careers of two more shakedown artists were ended by your FBI. But ended only after the potential victim had placed himself in great jeopardy by attempting to deal with the criminals himself. You wouldn't ask a plumber to pull a tooth for you, nor would you ask a dentist to fix a leaky pipe. Yet you will, you do, ask yourself to perform a job of dealing with criminals when there is at your disposal every type of law enforcement agency you need. Remember this, and do your part in curbing the crime wave. When you receive any kind of threat, notify your local police, or your state law enforcement officers, or your FBI. Crime is their business. You've been way ahead of me. But Van Ronsted was right. The mine was stolen from him by Pete Service. In fact, I have learned many things from the South African authorities. Huh? Including what else? 
Van Ronsted was a most strange and unpredictable man, known throughout South Africa. Go on, I'm listening. He, too, had gold fever, but of a most severe nature. In his time, he had discovered a dozen mines, each of them, to him, worth a fortune. To him? What are you getting at, Sam? Just this, Jordan. Both you and Pete Sorvus were fooled by a man with hallucinations who owned a mine that was worthless. More from Rocky Jordan in just a moment. Let's step outdoors and join the Ellis family at their barbecue. Boy, those hamburgers look good. I'm starved, honey. How long do I have to listen to them sizzling there on the griddle? <laughs> Take it easy, darling. All in good time. I'll just turn it over. There, that's about it. They're ready. Let me at them. Toasted bun. Hamburger patty. Here you are. Oh, no. Oh, no, you don't. Not plain like that. Where's the catsup? The one you served yesterday with a special flavor. Oh, you mean Del Monte catsup. You bet he means Del Monte catsup. The catsup with that special flavor. Tomato flavor at its best. It's lively, it's tangy, it's rich. Blended and simmered down according to a treasured recipe, Del Monte catsup on sizzling hamburgers, steak, or chops is a real flavor treat. And Del Monte catsup costs less than many other quality brands. Look for it at your grocer's. Remember, for flavor first, it's Del Monte catsup every time. Back now to Rocky Jordan. Well, there wasn't much more to clear up. Sam and his men took care of von Rutstedt, and all that was left for me to do was to have a little talk with Clarissa. I bought her a cup of coffee in an all-night cafe and told her what had happened. Well, Rocky, I'm glad it's over. Uh, me too. You know, I just took the cure. I'm out of the gold business. <laughs> I hope for Keith. You can count on it. So it was all for nothing then. Pete dreamed and stole and died for a mine without any gold. That's right. You know, somehow I'm glad he never found out. What about you now, Clarissa? Me? I need to go home for a while. Wish you didn't. Maybe sometime I'll come back to Cairo. Perhaps I'll see you then. Not scared of gold fever anymore? No. But there are other kinds of fever, Rocky. Let's wait and see. For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte ketchup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomatoes. And Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods.
society. The peace of mind which they gain makes them better workers, better fathers or mothers, better citizens. Yes, by serving its members, the Equitable Society serves America. So remember that name, the Equitable Society, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the file on the strange extortion. In the case of Letty Bradford, mailing the extortion letter was a federal offense. But when Mrs. Bradford was found apparently dying of a bullet wound above the right temple, Special Agent Hugh Barnes called Inspector Blanton of the Homicide Bureau, who took charge of the house and posted men to see that no member of the household tried to leave. Agent Barnes, however, continued to conduct the investigation. Letty Bradford's doctor, Inspector Blanton, Barnes, and the nurse, Janet Smith, herself under suspicion in connection with the letter, have been in Mrs. Bradford's room for some 30 minutes now. Judge Madison, who arrived shortly after the shooting, is standing outside in the hall with Charles Forbes, Mrs. Bradford's secretary. As the door opens and Barnes steps out. Well, Mr. Barnes, Mrs. Bradford, The bullet didn't penetrate as we thought at first. The pistol was evidently fired at such an angle as to cause only a deep scalp wound and severe powder burns. You mean... She's unconscious now, but largely from shock. She'll live. Oh. Judge Madison, did you ever see this gun before? Why, yes. Was that the pistol that was found on the floor behind her bed? That's Mrs. Bradford's pistol, Barnes. Mrs. Bradford? Special Agent Barnes spent the rest of the day investigating the movements of the gambler Nick and his men during the past 24 hours, but could uncover nothing involving them with the shooting or the extortion letter. Shortly after dark, Barnes forged his car through a rain and windstorm sweeping Long Island up to the Bradford house. Letty Bradford could talk, but claimed she could remember nothing that happened. Barnes then assembled the others in the library. Charles. Yes, the extortion letter was typed on your machine. But, Mr. Barnes, I and tell you And your fingerprints were also found on the letter. Of course they were. I read the letter to Mrs. Bradford. I had to handle it to read it, didn't I? And 